Welcome to Intersect Where Church Meets Culture. My name is Josh Desch, and I'm the lead pastor at Northeast Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina. And I am joined, as always, by my extroverted and sociable wife, Betsy. Hey, I got two today. You got two, Bets. <laughs> you deserve two. <laughs> Uh, Thanks. Bets, you are going to understand why I have described you that way for this episode, although that is true of you every day. What we're going to discuss today is why are Americans becoming more isolated and does it matter? Hmm. Did you know before we started preparing for this episode, Bets, that even beyond COVID, people had become more isolated? Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think I've heard that floating around that people are lonelier and more isolated. Okay. Okay. Yes. Well, that's certainly true. We're going to present a lot of research, folks, and then we're going to reflect on this, as we always do, as Christians. But, Bets, I want to start out by asking you this. Do you have some memories of right when the pandemic hit? Remember, it was March of 2020, of how isolating it was when we didn't know much about COVID, and we were all thinking this is the end of the world. Do you have some memories of being isolated or feeling isolated during that time? I do. Yeah. I remember, you know, we were at home with our four kids and that's always a lot. (laughs) And we also had a large collection of gerbils at the time. That's a different episode. Yeah. So anyway, that's just a funny memory that we happened to have gerbils that had come home from school right before um, the pandemic started. We didn't know we got one boy and one girl. Yeah. Yeah. It was exciting. So, um, I do remember that though, you know, not necessarily feeling comfortable going to the grocery store because you're not really knowing what you're dealing with. I remember we started reading Harry Potter aloud, um, particularly to the younger three. Uh, That seemed like something that would take up a lot of time and it did. So that's one thing we did, Um, jumped on the trampoline a lot. I remember feeling even like, ooh, should we play with the neighbors? Is this risky? All that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I have a memory of going to Kroger And I feel like I had just gotten my first face mask. I was, you know, when you first put those things on, you're like, can I breathe? And (laughs) I just have this memory of going in Kroger and buying a few things and honestly kind of wondering, like, okay, if <laughs> if we can't go to the grocery store for six more months, are, are, do we have sort of the basics to survive? Right. I felt like I had a little bit of a prepper uh, instinct going on at that time because we just didn't know. Mm-hmm. Remember, there was so much we didn't know about COVID. We didn't know how it spreads. You kind of wondered, if I touch this little thing, am I going to get COVID? Mm-hmm. Well, here's the deal. According to a number of modern researchers, we Americans, and this is probably true worldwide, but certainly true in America, that we are becoming more and more isolated as human beings. So there is a professor named Dr. Jeff Hall. He is a professor at the University of Kansas, and he his specialty is writing about this area. And Betsy recently wrote an article called The Price We Pay for Being Less Social. People are choosing to be less connected with each other and focus more on their inner lives they may not realize the consequences. Hmm. This was in the Wall Street Journal. And I want to read you a couple of paragraphs from the beginning of this article. It says, and I quote, it won't come as a surprise that many of us are spending less time with other people. And we, pro- and we probably think we can name the obvious culprits that keep us disconnected, forces such as social media or pandemic restrictions. Uh, I'll pause the quote here for a second. I know people would instantly say to me, well, are, are people less social? And you'd be like, yeah, of course there's a pandemic. And then don't you think social media is another thing that people go right to oh, sure. right away? Absolutely. Now, 
going back to this article, and I quote again, but while those have played a role, there is something much bigger going on. All over the world, and for decades, people have been embracing their interior lives more and interacting less, and they are doing this by choice. The author says, I analyzed time diary data from three countries and found that time spent talking to other people both inside the home and outside of it has been in decline for nearly 30 years. Telephone and video calls haven't made up for that loss. Wow, so 30 years. That's not just, that's not even like when the iPhone came out. That's a long time ago. No, that's way, way before. And of course, uh, we're going to focus more on America, but this author is even saying that globally, there is a trend toward being more and more isolated, and we can't just blame it on social media, and we can't just blame it on the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Now, Bets, what is interesting here is that when we talk about interiority, have you ever heard that word before? I hadn't. I had to actually, when I read it in this article, I had to do a double take because it's almost like inferiority. Oh, yes. But it's interiority. It's interiority. Yes. No. It, I, I, did he invent that word? Is that a real word? I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> I just remember thinking this is not referring to decorating. Right. Interiority. <laughs> it means a focus on your inner world. Mm-hmm. So it means that more and more of your thoughts, your time are taken up into uh, basically living in your own interior world. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that more and more. Now, uh, before we get into some other points of data, what is just kind of your initial response to, what's your initial reaction to hearing that over a 30-year period before smartphones were invented, way before a global pandemic, there has been a shift toward people being less social? Yeah, that's interesting to me. I wouldn't, I would have... I know that that's a trend that's been going on for years. Now, I would have put that more toward computers being invented, the internet, you know, even before smartphones. But 30 years ago, um, I'm sure some of that stuff was was starting, but that wasn't widely, you know, the internet wasn't widely being used 30 years ago. Right. It that wasn't. I know of anyway. It wasn't. I'm kind of thinking about our childhood. Remember the, the home phone that was on the wall? Sure. And it had a cord? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you had to like go around the corner if you wanted a little privacy and stretch that little cord sure. as far as far as it would go. And, but basically the point is um, we've become less social mm-hmm. and the, the human beings are, are acting in less social ways, not just different social ways, but less social ways. And is your instinct to tell you that that's a good thing, a bad thing, or do you, is your instinct to say, well, what does it really matter uh, it's just times change. What are your thoughts on that? Well, as you led with, I'm an extreme extrovert. So, of course, I would say I don't like that. <laughs> you don't like that at all, right? No, I, I'm sure some people are fine with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, according to Dr. Jeff Hall, this is not a good thing, Bets. Um, so, he shares a, a lot of research, and this is from the same article. But, and I quote again simply being around other people has benefits. Classic studies of the power of proximity show how just living near people increases the chances of friendship. Such familiarity lowers individuals' perceptions of risk and increases our effort toward interacting in more responsive and attentive ways to one another. So there's scientific data, like not just Bible verses, and there's plenty of those 
but there's scientific data that shows that it's good when we're around one another. Mm-hmm. So here's our conflict that we're facing. And, and I don't know how much this is being talked about, but people are spending less time together. That's bad for us. And I'm not sure how much I'm hearing in different circles that we should be seeking to reverse this. Yeah, another interesting article that um, that you sent me from the same author, correct? Yeah, Dr. Jeffrey Hall. Yep. This one was entitled, What We Lose When We Don't See Our Work Acquaintances. Mm. So this article was specifically about um, the working from home phenomenon, which obviously was like greatly increased by the pandemic. Um, and this was a fascinating article because the author, again, Dr. Hall, highlights how a lot of work acquaintances aren't real close. You know, it's not necessarily that those people know you really well. Now, obviously, there are exceptions to that. But I think about my own work environment. It's not that I'm really close with with every person I talk to. It's not that those people know my, my kids' names and um, your name, Josh, and, and what I do for fun. It's not that they know that all necessarily, but I really value those relationships because there's a lot of fun reciprocity. There's a give and take. There's, you know, joking about experiences sure. that we share together. So what this article is highlighting is that there there are losses that go along with people being isolated specifically in a work context, even though those aren't necessarily the closest relationships. I found that really interesting. Yeah. I, I have been fascinated by the whole uh, work from home movement. And I know I'm a pastor of a medium-sized church, a lot of people in our church that I'll talk to on a monthly basis. And quite a number of people that I talk to will tell me, yeah, I work from home or I'm able to work from home whenever I want. And you can't beat the commute. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And the jammy factor, the if jammy you have factor. the jammy factor. Oh, I'll never forget like two years ago going to a coffee shop and seeing a dude in a suit and tie, suit jacket and tie, and then he had like Nike shorts on. <laughs> and he was Zooming a meeting. So funny. I'll never forget. It was a public coffee shop. I was like, I got to take a picture of this. Um, <laughs> it's hilarious. But, you know, I love having colleagues. I love working with people. But what's fascinating is that more and more companies are saying, well, we're going to give people options. It's not really necessary. And it seems like all of these intangibles which as we're going to get to later in this conversation, I would say are created by God mm-hmm. and and flow from uh, his desire for us to be in relationship with one another where we can f- fulfill the great commandment and the great commission, the great commandment to love one another, the great commission to take the gospel, that these are, these are sort of hardwired into us. Mm-hmm. And so there is a cost to the work from home phenomena, and it's that we're not really seeing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was an interesting part of that article, so I'm, I'm quoting from it. In my pre-pandemic research, so this was before COVID, um, I asked 116 people about their recent social interactions at five random times a day for five consecutive days. Okay, so he's interviewing these 116 people about what they do at work. Okay. This is specifically, again, in the work context. Across these 2,722 interactions, taking time to catch up joke around, or have a meaningful conversation with someone boosted connection and happiness, no matter who it was with. Mm. So again, it's not even like you have to be with your best friends all the time. It's just 
relationships with other people where you can have that, again, that sense of reciprocity, that sense of we're doing something together, that boosts, what, what did he say, connection and happiness. Mm. Well, I'm sure that these trends don't affect the church, right, Bets? We, we, <laughs> we Christians— Just so you know, he had really big eyes when he asked me that. We, so. <laughs> we Christians, we know the Bible tells us in Hebrews— chapter 10, verses 19 to 25, to not neglect the meeting together, uh, to meet together as some as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We know that we are called to be those people that are together, that are sharing life together. And yet these trends are absolutely rocking the church. Bets Barna, you know, the big research uh, company, Barna Group. Mm-hmm. In 2011, 43% of Americans said they went to church every week. By February of 2020, that dropped 14 percentage points to 29%. Barna, I, I look to see if they've done an updated. They haven't yet, but I am expecting the next official number to just be through the floor. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to be 29%. I wouldn't be surprised if it's 20%, which would be a 23% loss. Mm-hmm. Would mean losing half of Americans who went to church um, before the pandemic and and what's interesting is, so there was an article in Christianity Today, Empty Pews Are an American Public Health Crisis. That was written, that came out in Christianity Today in 2021 by a couple of Harvard professors. And you referenced this in the sermon recently. I did, I did. Mm-hmm. And basically their point was, religious participation strongly promotes health and wellness. Mm. And they got into things like deaths of despair they talked about if you haven't heard about that, then um, there's, I'll tell you this, there's all kinds of books and articles and even connection to the opioid epidemic of people that have felt hopeless and have turned to drugs. And uh, a lot of people heard that for the uh, for the first time since the whole history of the CDC tracking, life expectancy went down in America. Mm. Uh, over the last few years, first time that's ever happened. But I want to read one quote here from this article, Empty Pews are an American uh, Public Health Crisis. The researchers say, and, and I quote, Our research suggests that religious service attendance specifically, rather than private practices or self-assess religiosity or spirituality, most predicts health. Okay, let me just pause the quote. What they just said is, Attending church, not your devotionals, not how many Christian songs you sing at home or when you're in the car, not whatever you say about your own Christian life. Somebody comes up to you and says, are you a Christian? Oh yeah, I'm a boarding and Christian. I do blah, 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 blah. No, what the research suggests is that attending religious services, not instead of people's private religious practice, most powerfully predicts health. Going back to the quote, and I quote, Religious identity and private spirituality may, of course, still be important and meaningful within the context of religious life, but their effects on health and well-being don't seem to be as strong as those of regular gatherings with other believers. So again, the authors aren't saying that that other stuff isn't important. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, of course your private religious practices, praying, um, you know, reading the Bible, of course that stuff is good, reading good books. They're just saying in their own research, the most significant factors that connect to people's health are actually physical gatherings. Right. They're, I mean, that, that, that is re- echoing the research 
from these articles from the Wall Street Journal that being in proximity to people boosts our health and, and well-being. Yeah. So that's to go back to the title of the podcast, Why Are Americans Becoming More Isolated? Well, that's interesting. It seems like this there are these bigger macro mm-hmm. causes. Yes. That social media, the internet, the iPhone, the pandemic have all contributed. Sure. But there seem to be even bigger forces at mm-hmm. work here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the pursuit of individualism, um, personal identity, the the uh, huge quest for personal identity that so many people are on right now. Mm-hmm. But the point is, we're just less social. Mm-hmm. And right. does it matter? The answer is yes. It does. Yeah, it does. So, what are what do you think um, for Christians who are listening to this? What are what are some takeaways? That's uh, I'm listening to this. I'm a Christian. I look at my own life and I say, you know what? I'm a lot less social than I used to be. Let's just say someone is saying this. I'm mm-hmm. less social than I used to be in the past. I mean, what 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 what, what can we recommend? for people to do here? I mean, what are, what are some takeaways? Well, I have, a, I have a couple thoughts on that. And this goes back to Dr. Hall's article from um, the Wall Street Journal. So I'm going to read one other thing that he said. So he says, what, what can any of us do? As the societal norm moves away from soci- sociality, sociality, I guess that's sociality. Sounds good, sounds wow. good to me. It's like I didn't say it before I read it. I read it and it was fine till I tried to say it. Anyway, let me try that again. As the societal norm moves away from sociality toward interiority, I mean, I feel like he's making up words, but that's fine. It puts more onus on the individual to do something about it. Mm. We must react with intention and purpose. In my research, I found that people who build social routines that balance choice and familiarity find it easier to maintain their relationships and social health. So this was interesting. Routines are gardens where relationships grow. I love that. So he said, to to close out here, he said, it isn't dissimilar to building good nutritional habits in an environment of unhealthy food or building healthy exercise habits within a sedentary lifestyle. A A social regimen nourishes our social health in the short term and improves our life satisfaction, well-being, and longevity in the long run. So he gives several places where people often look for relationships. You know, neighborhood. Yep. Are you talking to your neighbors? That's an. I mean, Jeez. some neighborhoods are more conducive to that than yep. others. Yep. Um, but wor- but we. It doesn't. It seem like more and more people don't know their neighbors. Mm-hmm. Kind of feels like that way to me. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of things that contribute to that. Sure. Um, neighborhood, workplace. Um, Clubs or associations, I mean, I would throw, probably church is where he would throw that. School, he even throws in the gym. So there are places where we can look for those relationships. And I love how he says it takes intentionality, because that's true. Um, And for people, so, you know, people are feeling isolated for different reasons. And um, sometimes it's hard to take that step of intentionality. And so we want to acknowledge that that can be really difficult um, another thing that I, I think was really encouraging, and this was from the New York Times, it's called Text Your Friends, It Matters More Than You Think. Mm. So this was um, by an author named Katherine Pearson, and this came out in July of this year, of 2022. Um, it cites a study that was done by a woman named Peggy Liu. She's at the University of Pittsburgh. And um, she and her team ran a series of 13 experiments involving more than 5,900 people to get a sense of how good people are at guessing how much friends value being reached out to. 
Okay, so she was asking people to say, how much do you think it matters to your friends when you reach out to them? Yeah, yep. So what she found was across all 13 experiments, those who initiated contact significantly underestimated how much it would be appreciated. So this is not talking about, I made dinner for someone, I invited someone over for a meal. This is talking about like texting someone. Like I sent them a, an emoji. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and this part was interesting. The more surprising check-ins from those who hadn't been in contact recently, so maybe a friend you haven't talked to recently, mm. tended to be especially powerful. So I love that because that's something we can all do. Yep. You know, maybe someone isn't feeling like they have it in them right now to try to find a new friend. I don't know, but we can all text someone. And even if it's someone you haven't talked to for a while, I mean, that research right there shows that that other person, the person on the other end is going to appreciate you thinking of them because by texting them, it shows that you thought about them. Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly kind of inspired right now to yeah. I, I, text I your ha- friends. It matters more than you think. <laughs> I have some people in my life that, you know, obviously just being in ministry, moving around, that it's been easy to lose touch with. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll just, as we wrap this episode up, I'll just add a few other points of application. Um, Christian, or whoever you are, listener, whether you're Christian or not, um, recognize that you are a social creature. Mm -hmm. God made you social. And I would just keep exhorting Christians, build that habit of going to church every week. Mm -hmm. Build that habit of going to a Bible study every week. Those things matter. They matter for your, they literally matter for your health. They matter, of course, they matter for your spiritual walk. And, and I would just add this to, to close. As we are looking now at 30-year macro trends of people becoming less social, and we could get, and we'll have other episodes on what rates of anxiety and depression are doing right now, because mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. In fact, the latest thing is that every the latest thing I saw was that uh, a medical association is recommending that everyone get screened for depression when they get like a physical. Wow! I mean, it's getting to that point. Mm-hmm. The effects are there, and this should really burden us as Christians to just be like, who am I reaching out to? Mm-hmm. Who am I interacting with? Um, when when I notice my neighbor cutting the grass, when I notice someone, I mean. More and more, these basic social interactions, they really matter. Mm -hmm. And we need to care about them. And we need to recognize that as we live in a society that has become richer and more technological, it's also become less social. Mm -hmm. And maybe there are some ways the past was stronger than the present. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we don't like to think that. We like to think that everything now is better than the way it was. Right. But maybe we do have some things to learn. That's right. Bets, you've been reading anything recently? Well, um, yes. I've been reading some really good stuff, actually. And the one that I am currently reading, and you are reading too, is The Silmarillion by um, J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah, and nerd that, alert. Yeah, that is the ultimate nerd book. It's like the prequel, prequel, I guess, to the Lord of the Rings background, trilogy. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, and I really enjoy it. I would actually like to do a super nerd episode on why we should read those kinds of stories and what they can do for us. Just, I'm going to spoil my own, um, I'm going to spoil my own 
episode, I guess, and just say, I think it reminds us that our ultimate struggle is between good and evil. I love it. And that is what those stories lay bare. And I actually love it. It's kind of hard to read. And I get frustrated that Tolkien has, and you get frustrated too, that Tolkien has um, like four names for one thing. And it gets really confusing. Um, But it's a great story. I have been worried about Betsy. She said to me the other day, let's take a vacation to Middle Earth. And uh, (laughs) I just had to say that's not a real place. But um, I never said that. I'm kidding. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Intersect. And go be social. Go interact with people. Go live out the gospel, the great commandment to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourself, Mm -hmm. and to take his love and his message to the ends of the world. See you next time.